With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. (laughs) Welcome to the uh, Quotes and Chokes podcast. I'm Nick Angeloni. I'm Arut Pogosian. And our guest today is uh, Cody Donovan. Uh, why don't you kind of give your own, tell well, us a little bit about yourself? And I'll, I guess say some. Former yeah. UFC light heavyweight, and now pound for pound, one of the best coaches in the game. Pound for pound. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I'm trying to lose some weight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, go ahead, like, you know, give us your background. And- yeah, um, you know, got into jujitsu in high school. Went to college, wasn't sure, you know, what I was going to do as far as, uh, you know, I, th- I thought I had to go get a job and sit at a desk and be What like made that. you get into jiu-jitsu? Hoist, hoist, man. I was, I was at my buddy's house. He, my buddy David, and he's a twin, his brother Mike, they had these videos. They got these VHS tapes from, uh, back then it was called Hollywood Videos, mm-hmm. like Blockbuster or something, right? Yeah. You know, we don't have video stores anymore, but... Bro, we had to smuggle this tape into the house like it was porn or something. <laughs> we, we weren't allowed. We weren't allowed to watch it because it was like so violent. Yeah, but we we watched UFC one and UFC two, and I was like, "This happened in Denver. Who is this guy?" And I was just like, you know, transfixed with jujitsu. I had to learn it. It was like, bro, if you knew a little bit of jujitsu back then, it was like you were walking around the old west with a machine gun. Yeah, like just nobody knew oh, it. Yeah. You know, it was like a, it was like you were a wizard. You or had a tremendous you know? advantage. Yeah, that's it. That's so like you saw Hoist and you thought, man, this is cool. Yeah, hey, I was a kid that got beat up a lot growing up, man. I, you know, I grew up in Seven Hills, uh, which isn't like a bad area, but uh, I was the oldest kid. I, you know, I was kind of a mama's boy. Um, I, you grew up in Colorado. Yeah, Center. there was a lot of Vietnamese and Korean in my neighborhood, and I had a crush on all their sisters, so they were just kick <laughs> kicking my ass all the time. And, you know, it was just it was rough, man. Uh, Got picked on a lot, got beat up a lot. Well, you're 6'3", right? I am now, yeah. And I was tall as a kid, but I was skinny as a stick, you know? Okay. And just so I couldn't really duck and hide from the bullies, and I was just a target. I mean, I look back at myself back then, and my parents just didn't really uh, get me ready for middle school. Like, I showed up to middle school with some G.I. Joes in my pockets. Like, <laughs> like you know? And I'm That's like, a disaster. Yeah, yeah some, some dude's like, what's that in your pocket? I'm like, nothing. Like, you, you know, I just... You guys aren't into these? I just wasn't real. I was like, oh, shit, I didn't get the memo that we weren't oh, playing bad. with He-Man anymore. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, yeah, so, you know. Was there a point, like, when you studied Jiu-Jitsu that... Like, I, I feel like, because I know Jiu-Jitsu... Uh, People, I don't, I don't ever have like a time to use it. Like I never get into altercations because yeah. I just feel like maybe I don't have anything to prove, so I don't really care. And then also maybe people, people know like the way you carry yourself when you train. Was it like that for you, or was there like a time where like someone tried to pick on you and you just choked their ass out? And they were like, oh, yeah, I mean, there, there were times where I had to use uh, use jujitsu. I agree with what you're saying. You know, a lot of. Uh, you kind of scratch that itch on the mat, so you're like, well, I, I fought, I got ten fights this morning. I don't want to fight you, you yeah. know. Uh, yeah, and, and also you, 
you know, you get awareness, man. You start doing jujitsu, you start realizing how dangerous a street fight is. Dude, when I was young, I got in a lot of street fights. I went through this this process of trying to prove to myself that I wasn't like the nerd or the you know the the weak guy that was getting picked on. I I mean. I'm ashamed at how many street fights. Is I've that where Donnybrook came from? Yeah, just <laughs> fucking scrapping. Especially when I moved to Boulder. I lived in Boulder for a few years, and it was all these rich frat boys, and they reminded me of everything I didn't like about the bullies that messed with me in middle school and stuff. I mean, so we were just getting in fights every weekend. It was bad. I still feel that way when I go to Boulder. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the sad thing is, is I was in Boulder, and I lived really close to Easton Training Centers and didn't jump on the mat once the whole time I was up there. Where uh, did you start training jiu-jitsu? Uh, I started w- at, at a Machado affiliate. So oh. back then, it, w- it was still called Colorado Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but it was David Ruiz was the jiu-jitsu coach. His assistant jiu-jitsu coach was a guy named Brad Gum. You guys remember Brad? At one point, he was like the youngest guy that ever fought in the UFC or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Dwayne was there a lot back then. There was a guy named Dwayne. Vic. Did jiu jitsu? Uh, Dwayne was doing jiu jitsu and kickboxing. Oh, okay. But, you know, I was a young dude and that was, I was getting, in, as far as I was concerned, I was getting instant access to, like, you know, quote unquote UFC. Because yeah. we had Brad and we had Dwayne. I was like, this is the best, you know? And that was when I was like, uh, probably 19. Mm-hmm. Is this the place that's still Colorado BJJ? Just it, different yeah, different ownership. It changed hands several times. I know Brad Gum left, and Brad did his own thing for a while. Brad was Chris Camozzi's original teacher, right? Oh, okay. Out of out of Gum Martial Arts, and I I have, I have no idea where, where Brad is now. Uh, David Ruiz ended up selling control of Colorado Brazilian Jiu Jitsu to Nobu, one of his black belts, and now Nobu runs it, uh, and I, I think it's going pretty well. Those guys, those are cool guys. Yeah, Colorado yeah. BJJ. That's, I, went, yeah. I, I visited there once, went to open mat. Yeah, nice. they're good dudes. Yeah. That's so funny that you saw uh, original UFC, you saw Horace Gracie in his gi, and you thought that was cool. When I saw him in his gi, I was like, man, I, I don't, like, I want to get in there so I could kick this dude's ass in pajamas. Yeah. Like, I, why are they Why are they wrestling around on the ground? Like, what is this? Why does he have his legs wrapped around yeah. him? I don't like this at all. Just him out. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. There was a part of me that was like, just punch him. But yeah. then he would tangle, uh, you know, he's fighting chemo, right? Yeah. Tangles chemo all up, and I didn't understand what I was seeing. So to me, it was like watching magic. Yeah. I was just like, this is possible? Like, what, <laughs> how do I get access to this, you yeah. know? There was a couple of dudes at my high school that, that studied jujitsu. They were, they were both blue belts. And they were real stingy with it, bro. They'd walk around with their Gracie Jiu-Jitsu hoodies. And this is in 1996, 1997. Mm, no, there was no Jiu-Jitsu that. in Colorado, right? Yeah. And these dudes were like... Uh, it was like Gandalf walked in the room. Like, just, give, just tell me a little bit, you know? Uh, yeah. They thought they were the shit, huh? Oh, dude. They, and they were the shit, right? They're, because they were like walking around the Wild West with machine guns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're, they're doing private lessons with half the football team on the wrestling mats and oh, yeah. choking out the biggest dudes in our high school. And, the, and there were these two little dudes. It was cool, man. It was really cool to see. Yeah. I imagine that was like a good time to make some money. Yeah. You know? When it, yeah. And that video came out and you happened to be the only guy oh, in the yeah. area? Two, two dudes. Arturo Fernandez and John Fowler. Those, I don't even know if they're still doing jiu-jitsu. I think Arturo is. Okay. I don't think John is. But back then, they were they were just little high school hustlers, man. They were selling that jiu-jitsu. When did Amal come out here? Amal was out here at that time. He had Boulder Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I just didn't know Amal. Oh, okay. um, I didn't meet Amal until... Uh, like early 2000s, oh, I would have okay. met him through Elliot. So, uh, ah, that's not true. When I was in college, I worked at a t-shirt shop, and we printed the t-shirts for Easton Training Centers. 
Mm. And uh, back then it was called just uh, Boulder BJJ. Boulder was the original one, huh? Yeah, and I met them all several times. I would always say, oh, uh, I, I used to train jiu-jitsu. And he'd be like, come in. What's the yeah. problem? Yeah. You know, and then I'd never, <laughs> you never, never go come in. in. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. You have a real passion for traditional jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Uh, you, even even right now, like you train so many fighters, you but you still have a real passion for traditional jiu-jitsu. But you have enough sense about you to understand that there's only certain amount of jiu-jitsu, certain amount of ground fighting. You you make the distinction between ground fighting and sport jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And to like, I'm baffled by how many high-level guys I see training traditional jiu-jitsu and geese for their ground game. Yeah. Like I'm like. Uh, yeah. The game, the game has gone so far ahead, and I think you're one of the guys out there right now that's ahead of the curve that understands that the ground fighting for MMA is different, and we're making some uh, leeways mm -hmm. in what we're doing right yep. now. Well, like, uh, when did you start developing that understanding? Um, you know, so originally I didn't. I I loved MMA, but I just wanted to do jujitsu. I was a purple belt. And I was training with Nathan Marcourt, and Nate was uh, a member of Jackson's down in Albuquerque, right? Nate was driving down there all the time. I think he had, had might have even had a little house down there. Him and Tessa were going down and staying for months at a time. Nate is a great guy. Yeah, and well, Nate and Nate is one of the greatest martial artists that ever lived, man. Yeah. I mean, he's legend. The dude is just a black belt at everything. He's so good, so technical, and he, uh, his friend. A good buddy of his, Keith Jardine, right, had a fight coming up. I forget who Keith was fighting, but it was a jiu-jitsu guy. And Nate's like, dude, you should come down this week, and, uh, you know, they, they need a bigger body that knows jiu-jitsu. And I was like, yeah, cool. And I went down there and just got my ass whooped, bro. Like, they they refused to play jiu-jitsu with me. That's like, it was like, it was like this, you know, there's supposed to be this, like, handshake that jiu-jitsu goes a certain way, and they just wouldn't play it. <laughs> they would stall, and they would slap me and just beat me up. I, I remember the worst beating I took down there was from Joey Villasenor. Joey's yeah, a stud. I remember. Awesome, awesome fighter, right? And great guy, too. He used to say, if one beer is good for you, then ten beers is ten times as good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's hilarious, right? But my first beating came from him, and it wasn't a beating in a bad way. Like, he beat me up and then told me why he beat me up, right? And I, I left that Albuquerque trip with two things. Like, one of them was like, I am approaching my ground game totally the wrong way. This isn't there. There are so many holes in this, and or or more like, a, man, there's more than one type of jujitsu. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And the second thing was, I need to quit my job. I want to be a professional fighter. Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, I was like, because I it, I hadn't really put it together. I was like, what do you, I was like, well, what do you do for a living? He's like, oh, I'm a fighter. I'm like, you're a fighter. Like am I. My guidance counselor didn't tell me that was an option. You ever had that awkward conversation where like, uh, someone asks you, like, oh, or at least at the time, now you have a different answer, but when people are like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a fighter. And they're like, like a firefighter? Like, yeah. What do you do? It's, yeah. it's, it it almost feels uncomfortable. Like actually, wrestling, right? WWE. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> the worst one, the worst, I, that, that conversation I can handle. The one that I don't like is like the backhanded one where I'll run into some dude I knew back in the day and he's like, so you still trying to be a fighter? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, motherfucker, I was never trying. I'm like, you still trying to be a dad? What you, like, like, you know, that one bothers me so bad. You still trying to? Like I failed at it or some yeah. shit, you know? Those people are just like losers. I mean, that's the best way to describe them. They're so salty yeah. that they just look for a chance to say things like that. Well, you got to, you know, when you're talking to those guys, you got to remember 
that they got duped, right? They got to go work for somebody else every day. They got to, like, they fell for the thing that 90% of the people in this country fall for, that, that you have to be this thing, right? You don't have to be They're angry, not living man. their authentic lives, the yeah. lives that they really want. Yeah. And so they want to bring you down with them. Bro, you're a black. I mean, it's hard to have a conversation with that guy when they're like, hey, man, how's it going? If What, am I supposed to be brutally honest with him? I'm like, it's going fucking awesome. I am <laughs> so blessed. I do whatever I want every day. How, how's it going for you? Like, if I, you know what I mean? How, yeah, how bitter are they going to be, you know? <laughs> like, that's it's fucking horrible, man. Yeah. You know? It's it's funny that, uh, you know, um, I remember when I was younger and, like, still living with my parents and stuff, it would be, like, going to jiu-jitsu was just, like, people would just say, like, well, why don't you just not go? Or, you know, something like that, you don't have to. And I'm like, well, if I was going to school, would you say that? You know, like, well, why don't you just not go to class? You know, but to me, it's the same. Because if you have a black belt, like, it's as valuable as a degree, you know? Like, yeah, it's a, you can make it, it you know, you need to understand business, things like that too, but you can make, uh, the better you are at it and the longer you've been practicing, the more you can charge for, like, like, Dwayne and, like, for example, Boss. Dwayne told me that Boss will charge $10,000 for a seminar. You know? Awesome. It's like, fuck. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's all fair. Yeah, it's totally fair. fair. It's worth it. The yeah. man has earned it. Yeah, you know? So it's like, you know, it's it's just as valuable as uh, as yeah. learning uh, any other sort of education. But back then, people were, you know, the, the sport was, when you were doing jiu-jitsu, like even two years ago, the sport, three years ago, sport wasn't as big. Now it's more and more mainstream, I feel like, and people understand that there's like lucrative options in this yeah. before they're like oh, that's well, a cute little hobby you yeah. got there and I fell for that trap you know I was I was studying jujitsu I was 19, 20 years old and I was like this is what I'm gonna do I, I love this I'm gonna do this and I was getting so much pressure from buddies like bro what are you, do- what are you doing right now with your life and I'm like I'm studying jujitsu and they're like I'm like, my tuition, you know, I got to pay tuition every month. I got, I'm, I'm in school. I'm studying jiu-jitsu. And there was just this real negative, like, oh, well, I'm in college. Like, when are you going to stop fucking around? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then w- what actually ended up, you know, and, and I took the bait on that, man. I enrolled in community colleges. I eventually, uh, you know, I was I was an artist, and I, I got into the Art Institute. And the thing that really cemented it for me was a girl that I was dating at the time in college. Um, because in her in her family and in her culture, like, bro, being a fighter was not an option. It was like, uh, I was getting a lot of pressure from that relationship that I had to get a good degree. I had to, you know, sit down at a desk and have a financial planner and all of this crap. And, um, you know, a lot of things came together as I got out of that relationship, as I got out of college, as all those things came together, fighting came back together. And I made it, I, I remember, I mean, it was the Albuquerque trip, but I remember just being like, yeah, I'm not going to be what all of these other people like Wanted think I should be. Mm-hmm. Like this is I could be dead tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I I guess I should bring that up too. I, I while in college I worked at the hospital downtown at Denver Health and I was a security officer and my responsibilities were a lot of things but it was fighting homeless people every day. Uh, I've done that job yeah, too. Yeah, it was, disgusting. it was disgusting. It was this it was it was de- dealing with bodies, right? Anytime somebody passes away, a security person needs to be there. A security person needs to put them in the fridge, take them out of the fridge, release I them to the corner, yep. all that stuff, right? Seeing hundreds of dead bodies, seeing people grieving in the emergency room, seeing seeing how bad life can get, seeing the type of scumbags that actually exist out there. It was really life-changing for me. It was like, yeah, I'm not going to waste my time doing anything but what I love 
and and try to make the world a little bit of a better place, right? Yeah. And if you can do it with both things, do it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I agree 100%. Like, it makes you realize the finity, the, yeah. that life is not limitless. Yeah. You're going to find that, find that, I guess. Is yeah. Word. You know, like, you better do what you love or else you're going to waste it. Yeah, it'd be uh, over like that, you know. But that being said, you know, like the life of a fighter is definitely not an easy one. Like you know, uh, people watch UFC and uh, you know they see fighters on TV and they they glorify, it, but you don't see you only see the tip of the iceberg. You don't see all the hard work that goes into it, all the sacrifice, all yeah. the uh, injuries, all the everything that goes into it. And if you don't truly love it. You have no business doing it because there's not even a guarantee that you're gonna make it on yeah. TV. There's no, there's no guarantees nope. here. It's like you should be doing it out of passion, and the money like and if you are good enough, the money will come. Yeah. If your skills are good enough, if you have what it takes, there's only one way to find out if you have what it takes is to do it, to give it your all. But there's no guarantees here. This is that's that's why I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, this is not a smart career choice and maybe uh, rationally like the reasoning there is right it's not a the smartest uh career choice but but i think that people only look at that is saying that like um being conor mcgregor is the only definition of making it right whereas like in, in my mind if i can make a living off of teaching classes and private lessons and stuff that's I don't need to be like a millionaire. I just need to have enough yeah. money and then to do what I love and provide for my I family. know. I agree 100%. But <laughs> some yeah. people are yeah. not going to make it to that level either. Some people are just dumb. Some people are not just not well, talented enough. Well, not good well, enough. Let me explain. I mean, if I were a millionaire, I'm not, right? If I were a millionaire, I would spend my day this way. I would teach some jujitsu. I would roll a little bit. And I would try to spend as much time as I can with my daughter and my wife. Mm. That's what I do every day yeah. right now. Yeah. You don't have to li like. What would be the difference? I, I might travel a little bit more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, people's like our idea of success is so skewed. It's it it's, it's it's messed up. You know. Um, what but is that? To, to just to, to say real quick on something you said about like uh, the battle of being a fighter, especially in the beginning, it's tough. You got to cut, dude. If you got for just like you said, you got to love it so much. You got to love it more than anything. You got to be selfish. You got to be brutally selfish. Think about the things you have to sacrifice and cut off along the way. Yes. How many relationships? How many? How many good girls that would have made great wives? That would have made great moms? That I just burn their lives to the ground and just <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, me just, <laughs> just 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 use up their resources and, and soak up all the love and then just get out of there. Like yeah, I was, right. a, yeah, I was just a horrible like. If you're not chasing that dream, you're just a scumbag, horrible person. I mean, you kind of still are, I guess. But, like, it's, you know, you have to, it's a very selfish, very, like, uh, you you got to be in love with it. you got to, you know, you can see this thing. It's almost, it's almost psychotic. You can see this thing. You can see this picture that not only does it not really exist, no, nobody can see it but you. You might have a coach or somebody who believes in you and sees it as well, but, you wake up every day and you chase this thing that doesn't exist. You're, it's, you, we're living in la-la land. But through our work and through our dedication, we take that thought and we literally make it reality. Yeah. And it, that's, it's insane, but that's what we do, right? Actually, most people don't have the courage to do that. I agree 100%. It's, uh, yeah, like it's crazy. You're putting all this effort into something that may never be. But you got to believe to see. Yeah, you can't 
see it to believe it. You have to believe it to manifest it. Yep. Otherwise, it won't work. And that actually leads to my next question. Uh, what, for somebody, we asked this Curtis, Curtis is like, I hate this question because he thought I was asking him, what advice do you have for somebody that uh, wants to find the UFC? But what yeah. I was saying is, what advice do you have for someone that wants to have their first fight? Yeah. Um, well, like if you had to start over again mm-hmm. and you were uh, somebody with a dream of fighting and you were looking to have your first fight, yeah. how would you go about it now? Well, Nate, Nate and those guys were a little strict with me, and I, I, I started fighting late, man. They just kept, it was like preparing for a damn NASA launch. They just like kept making me check all these boxes, and I think my mindset has changed a little bit on that. We definitely need to make sure that the person is technically prepared, that they're not going to go out there and just get slaughtered and stuff like that. But I do believe in letting an amateur fighter get a fight much earlier than most people would, and the reason for that is is. Otherwise, they're just a virgin walking around talking about sex, right? They're, they're walking around talking about something that they don't understand. What, what if you spend five years training to be a fighter and you go take your first fight and you're like, oh, yeah, it turns out I don't like this very much. You know what I mean? Like, I want a person to get in there and experience it so they know. If a person goes in and has just one amateur fight, whether they win or lose... Every training session after that takes on an entirely different meaning, takes on an entirely different purpose. They're going to they're gonna pull out little lessons that they wouldn't have grasped otherwise because they've never been there. They've never done it before, right? Mm-hmm. It's like... Does, That's does, a great point. You, you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. Would, would you have them go the route of like doing like smokers and things like that? Or? Yeah, I like smokers. I like Muay Thai smokers and kickboxing smokers, which we do a lot of at the gym. I like jiu-jitsu, like nogi uh, tournaments and, and things like that so that they can get the taste for competition, but that's still not it. It's still not the fight. Mm-hmm. I think an amateur... In Colorado, we don't have the means for amateur MMA, right? They do elimination bouts. So their amateur MMA basically falls under like a tough man boxing rule. Not rules, but that's how it's licensed, Right, and then the rules—they just modify the rules. So no elbows, no knees, three-minute rounds, things like that. It's it's fine. It's fair. Mm-hmm. But to, if I say amateur MMA, somebody might say there is no such thing, and they're correct. There is no such thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think an amateur MMA fight—I've just, I've, you know, within how long of training? Well, I would like them to be a blue belt in jujitsu, and I would like them to have done a few smokers, mm-hmm. right? So then. If, if, if I set that criteria, then I can give them, instead of them looking at the top of a mountain preparing for this fight, they can do it one step at a time. So about a year? Yeah. Yeah, they come in, they start striking. Uh, maybe they're striking for four to six months before I let them tech spar. Once they start tech sparring and I see where their control is, then I let them actually spar. If they've been actually sparring for a little while, fuck it. Let's go get a smoker. I think right? that's like, excellent progression. Yeah. Excellent You just kind of take it one step at a time. And then you also, like, uh, I would imagine, right, like being... Like if you're someone's fighting with less training, you're gonna be you're also gonna be mindful, like as their coach, of like who they're gonna fight. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Very so. selective of the matchup of yeah. the uh, uh, totally right. Yeah. Making sure they get an adequate camp. Going through a, tr- a training camp is something that they need to experience. That's why it's important to be at a good gym and being with good coaches, right? Because they need to know what that's about. Because that's the, the pressure. That, that's your life right now, right, guys? It's training camp, man. Mm-hmm. That that's no fun. Uh, Honestly, I love it. I love it too. Right? Yeah, but yeah. I know most people don't. Good, right? Good. I'm, gl- I'm, gl- I'm glad you do. But a lot of people can't handle it, right? Yeah, yeah. One of my there are a lot of mistakes I made when I was a fighter that if I didn't transition into coaching, they would just be mistakes. But now they get to be like these learning these lessons for the guys, right? Yeah. And one of mine was my my diet and my lifestyle. I would be 
super strict in camp and then just go off the deep end out of camp, like drinking Guinness all the time, eating whatever I wanted, ballooning up, gaining too much weight, that kind of stuff. I always trained. I was always there as a sparring partner for my training partners, but you know, that's hard on your body if you're starting from scratch every camp, yeah. conditioning-wise, you know? Dieting, uh, Arup subscribes to the McDonald's diet, but dieting... <laughs> have you heard of the McDonald's diet? No. Really I'll tell you later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's all, McRibs. Yeah. Um, all McRibs, bro. You got to drive around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you got to drive around. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's like probably a change I've made I would say only in the last year. I'm 27 now. I really don't, like before, it just didn't make any difference. Yeah. And I remember one day, like I ate a pickle at home and, uh, you know, obviously super salty. And I looked down and my stomach's all blown up. I'm like, that's never happened. You're like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I was like, I should, you know, so eventually I got to the point, I didn't even realize how much better I could have been doing in practice, how how shitty I felt. Like to me, I just felt like I'm just really tired because I train a lot. Yeah, change my diet, and I'm like, I could blow through a 90 minute practice. Like, you know, it's a, yeah. I feel like it's a huge, huge yeah. We need thing. to go about educating differently with the diet. A diet is performance enhancing if done correctly, yeah. exactly, and, and definitely hindering if done improperly. But we always just look at it as, oh, I got a diet so I can lose weight, so I can fight, or you know. yeah, just so I could clarify about the McDonald's thing. I like eating healthy. Like, for me, I'm blessed with a fast metabolism. I don't gain weight. I can eat whatever I want. I don't gain weight. But yeah. I like eating healthy because I perform better. Like, if I have my vegetables, just my body feels strong. Yeah. I feel good. Like, yeah. a, a good source of protein. Yeah. And then, if here or there I want something uh, disgusting like McDonald's, uh, I don't know. It doesn't affect me because I've had the good yeah. food in me. Yeah. You know? I threw it the bus. You got to cheat a little bit, right? Yeah. You cheat a little bit. It, it makes you, you know, cheating on your diet is if you if you're a disciplined person that has a good diet there are there are it's hard to find something better than cheating on your diet yeah, yeah, yeah. On your diet is awesome yeah. <laughs> it's like oh this is amazing but, but americans don't get that person that eats mcdonald's every day doesn't understand how good it feels to cheat on their diet because they don't have any damn discipline bro it's not even you a, know it's not even a diet though it's a lifestyle like i if I have a fight coming up or I don't have a fight coming up, I'm still, I still want to eat healthy because I feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Side note, have you, have you guys, have you, either of you guys experienced waiting for your cheat meal to come, right? And say like, you go like, I'm going to have Taco Bell for my cheat meal. And you go there, you get the order and you drive off and they fucking got it wrong. <laughs> oh, it's like, man. I got to wait till next week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't eat traditional fast food. I, I mean, I haven't been through a drive-thru other than Chick-fil-A in like 10 years, right? Oh, right. I worked at McDonald's when I was 14, so I can't do McDonald's. <laughs> but, You've uh, seen the dark side. But yeah, yeah when, they, uh, when they mess your diet up, man, that's, that is, that's no good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, we were, I guess we kind of like left our story off. You went to, you went to Greg Jackson's did you do most of your training for your fights at Greg's? Or well, that? we did a lot back then because in Colorado we hadn't established a team yet. But uh, Dwayne, Dwayne and Nate wanted to come together and form a team. As Dwayne and Nate came together, they brought their crews with them. Dwayne brought Tyler Toner, uh, Elliot Marshall, right? Mm-hmm. Nate brought me, Christian, a couple other guys. Uh, and that 
uh, with Trevor Whitman as the center. Trevor Whitman is the head coach. Grudge who, Training yeah, Center. Yeah, grew this really good thing. First, it was called TSKO Fight Club. Mm. Then it was called Grudge Training Center. And, that, and and as that grew, there was less. We were less likely to travel to Albuquerque. Our, our whereas it was like every other week. Then it became a little bit less and a little bit less. Um, and then we just trained out of Colorado. We would still travel if if one of the guys we were like an affiliate basically. So like if Rashad, for instance, was in camp. Rashad had a big camp one time. He was in camp while George St. Pierre was in camp. And they both decided that they were gonna do like uh, five weeks of this camp in Montreal. So we all went. Everybody went to Montreal wow. for five weeks, right? And 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 got it. I think I was only there for like two weeks. But it was great, bro. You know, the, the team was was real tight back then. And everybody would just come together and help each other get better. And you, uh, it. I mean, man, I look back at that. I, we were part of something very special. Very I, special. If I could list off the names that were in that room, it's just this, there's a picture of like everybody back in the day, kind of at the beginning of the thing when we were at TSKO, mm. and every single person in the picture made it to the big show. Every one of them. It's, wow, it's really? crazy. Yeah. You. I mean, it was like back then. Cowboy was in the picture. Cowboy was just some crazy kid that was crashing motorcycles right in Colorado <laughs> like, like everybody was in it was in there and everybody made it man it was like it was work ethic it was like uh, I remember this moment at TSKO before we got to Grudge Christmas Eve blizzard like crazy blizzard and Christmas was on like Christmas Eve was on like a Thursday right and uh, everybody woke up got in their cars and when I say blizzard it was like you know one of the crazy Colorado blizzards where you're driving five miles per hour yeah. it took me like two and a half hours to get to T's KO but when I got there I saw that everybody else was there Wow, talking Shit. like 20 people drove through the blizzard we all showed up we all sparred and outside the world was ending but for us we all showed up and I was nothing like, else mattered yeah I was like we are part of something very special because yeah. there was dudes that had fights and you know like if your opponent lives in Florida, it's not a not a blizzard in Florida today. You don't get to take the day off, yeah. Yeah. And somebody was like, "Yeah, man, holidays are for people with jobs." And I was <laughs> yeah. like, "Cool, you know, we we all showed up." Was, Who said uh, that? Uh, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, Trevor's like, "Holidays are for people with jobs." I was like, "Sweet." <laughs> I always look at, I always think about holidays as being. Oh, what's going on? They just turn the music. You can shut that door, oh. and then that, that'll make it so. Um. Yeah. I think we'll. Um, I always thought about holidays as a day where I can almost guarantee that I'm going to get ahead, right? Like, there's a solid chance that yep. that dude is yep. stuffing his face. Yep. And I'm here, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's great. Um, I'm going to stuff my face. And that's great. Too. Well, yeah, I'll eat too. And then, and then I'll go change, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, just earn it. Yeah, I earn it. You know? Yeah. Um, I always set, like, my benchmark is, like, if regular people who don't understand this and, like, regular people who don't fight, if they don't think that I'm crazy, then... I, I could do better you know like, yeah. like I gotta do shit that people are like this guy's fucking weird you know what I mean like that's I that's agree that level, you know? I agree that next level yeah yeah. And, and what I would and what I would say to any fighter that's going through that you know like uh, so for me one of the things for me that was really tough was once I got married right mm. my wife has the coolest family in the world like they're, I mean, they're the shit dude yeah. they accepted me immediately I was instantly one of them even before I was married you know and uh and they like to party, right? They they get together and they they do some drinking, and that was really tough for me when I was still fighting, man. I would I would show up and I'm hanging out with all them, and I'd want so bad to just like let <laughs> loose. And there was this part of me that's like, man, it must be so nice to be a normal person, right? Yeah. But the thing that I would say to the fighters is, man, don't don't look forward to that too much because like like I I'm a normal I have a normal life now, meaning I'm no longer fighting, and it is amazing. But 
Whenever you're waiting, whenever you're ready, normal life is waiting. It ain't going nowhere, it's not right? Going so, nowhere. and you and, and fighting is a short window. You better be disciplined. You better love it. You better stay in that window because normal life is just sitting there waiting to catch you when you're done, and mm-hmm. and it, you're gonna you're gonna get to live normal life for a long ass time. So, and I like to think that guys like us don't ever really live normal lives. I'm never gonna go get a job and work for somebody. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my thing, right? And I'm gonna grow my business and open a second one and open a third one. And that's you know we're we're not even talking about us. normal lives. We're talking about fighter life. Versus, we're talking about not being a fighter yeah. versus being able to let loose on the weekend, right? Because yeah. now I can let loose on the weekend and it feels good. Speaking but it's gonna feel better for you because you got discipline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Dude, that just, like, aside from podcast listeners, that really speaks to me, you know, because yeah. occasionally, and, uh, you know, I've been, I've been training, I'm pushing probably 10 years now, so, yeah. um, and I've taken, I think, one vacation, which is my honeymoon, yep. um, and so, um, I like, I've been, I try to not think about that, it crosses my mind sometimes, you see people are like, oh yeah, we're going here for the weekend, we're going here for the weekend, yep. like, oh man, that, must be nice. It's almost like it seems like I know it's a lie, right? But in your head, you're like, that's almost worth worth working that shitty job. Yeah, like, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. They need, you know what? Give them ten vacations. Give them ten vacations a year, mm-hmm. and their life isn't going to be as fulfilling as yours because they have to go sit and do something for someone else. I don't know. For me, after two or three days on vacation, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go back. I'm is this done yet? All I need is two days to recover. Yeah, really? yeah. Like I'm like. Ah, it's cool. Yeah, where are we going? Yeah, I bet it's beautiful there. Is there a jujitsu camp? <laughs> I who, who, tra- who trains there? Can I, can I, is it, can I get on a mat? Yeah. You know? But that, that actually, you know, that made me think. Uh, there's so many, like all those vacations and whatever. That's nice, cool. You know, the partying, whatever. That's cool. But the moments that you have in fighting or even coaching, you know, uh, like when the in the arena when there's all this adrenaline and, and all these things are going on. Like those moments are priceless. Yeah. Like, what are some of the moments that stand out in your memory um, from yeah. your fighting or from your coaching? Yeah. Before you answer, let me kind of add a little second part to that. Do you do you appreciate? Um, I, I've heard Christian say that he gets he, he he gets more fulfillment out of coaching far more than he does from fighting. Yeah. Do you have more of those memories from coaching, or do you have more of those memories from fighting? It's a, it's more it's more coaching now. Uh, yeah, definitely more coaching now. You know, I had those moments in fighting that are great, but it, it and in the beginning when you first start coaching, it's hard. It's hard to. It doesn't feel the same because it's not all about you, right? When you're a fighter, it's all about your experience in it. Mm-hmm. But coaching's way more rewarding, man, because you. Uh, you get you get to build something. You get to build something and tweak something and test it. And, and and there's this part of you that's in that mindset where you're like, well, let's see if this thing we're working on works. There's this other part of you that's like they're supporting somebody, like going into battle with somebody and like uh, uh, going into di- battle with somebody. That's, yeah, it feels that, really yeah, cool. There's cool. um, yeah, like I said about the you know failed failures and things like that that I get to use as a, as lessons for the person. I mean, I think I get way way more of it out of coaching. Well, and you know the guys that I'm coaching are fighting at a higher level than I was able to get to. One of the craziest moments of my life was this last uh, two fights ago with Curtis, dude. We're in Australia. Oh, with Mark Hunt. Fighting fighting Mark Hunt. So first of all, I am a huge Mark Hunt fan. Me too. So me so he's like one of my idols, man. So. 
uh, coaching a guy to, to beat one of your idols. Like, you better be careful what you choose to be good at. If it comes true, if it comes true, you're like, oh, fuck, I got to go. I got Like, not only was I confident that we could beat Mark Hunt, but uh, we went and did it, you know? And that was sad. Seeing Mark Hunt have to hug his boy after the fight was really, that was really hard for me, man. I was like, dude, this, you know, but at the same time, I love Curtis and I want the best for Curtis. And I want mm-hmm. Curtis to, to, to take everything that's his. We're walking out that tunnel though, bro. And Mark Hunt's got all these guys backstage doing the haka, like, like you know, oh, yeah. doing the Samoan chanting and dancing. Just before yeah, walking yeah. out to the fight. Yeah, yeah, we're in the tunnel and they're doing it right behind us, bro. And it psychs me the fuck out. I'm that just like, yeah, I'm like, hold, like, I yeah, get goosebumps. I get straight up scared. I got goosebumps right now thinking about it. <laughs> this is the magic moment, bro. The whole crowd is yelling, Hunt. He's back there doing the haka. I'm scared as fuck. I look over at Curtis. Curtis ain't scared. Yeah. And we had kind of a slow walk. Airplane mode, dog. I think we're good. Let's go. I was like, I don't know if Curtis is in the right mindset. I, you know, I he does, you know, he looked like he was kind of, kind of slumped, kind of like, uh, you know, in his head a little bit. Hunt starts doing the haka with his boys, and you just see Curtis like, all right, motherfucker, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, yeah. okay, I was like, hey, well, you guys fucked up, like, it, it, it totally backfired. Like, they wanted to scare Curtis, and scaring Curtis is what you don't want to do, you know. You scare Curtis, he turns into Hurtis, and then he goes out there and breaks somebody, you know. It was crazy, dude. I bet. We got booed. Like I, I got goosebumps right now. I've never been booed like that in my life. Yeah. We, we walked out the tunnel and the whole crowd was booing and yelling at us. Yeah. Wow. I was like, I love Australians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wish that I was like a... Some like from somewhere in that area, yeah. Just for the purpose of I could do that haka without being a poser, because that shit yeah. is fucking awesome. The haka yeah, is how come awesome. how come our cultures don't have cool war dances, man? Yeah. You know, fuck. <laughs> you gotta do shit, man. Yeah. All right, so we're running out of time. So okay. Let's uh, wrap it up. So, uh, if you guys want to follow the podcast, uh, quotes and chokes MMA podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can uh, find us by that same name on uh, Instagram or Facebook. Uh, how can people follow you? Uh, prime underscore time nine 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 nine. That's a root. Yeah. A video. Yeah, and then uh, Instagram Donnie Brook Cody. Nice. Uh, yeah. If you guys want to follow me at Nick Angeloni one five five. Thanks. Bye.